Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Today we're going to dive into the second part of our series, Scriptures for the Season. And the concept for, for this series has simply been what is our response and reaction to when we find ourselves on E, empty. Right, right now we have so many things sapping our fuel in, in this season where, we, where probably so many of us feel like we're functioning on and the concept for this series has been for us to explore how did Jesus respond in his life, in his ministry, when he found himself on E and when his temptation was at the greatest. We explored last week Jesus. How did Jesus respond after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and the devil came to, to tempt him? We actually see Jesus did not respond with Dr. Phil. He didn't respond with Oprah. He didn't respond with Drake. He didn't respond with Taylor Swift. He didn't respond with all of the, with all of the religious leaders' teachings of his day. Jesus responded back by saying, it is written. He responded back by saying, God's word says. And it was God's word that was his fuel, that was his source, that was his, sus- his sustenance when he found himself on empty Right? And, and, and so, for, for us, the challenges in this season, as, as so many of you right now are finding yourselves or will find yourselves at that place on, on empty and finding yourself tempted to, to give in to stuff that you know is not God's best, we want to copy Jesus' response and respond with scriptures for this season. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 8 says this here. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You need an eternal word for your eternal soul for this season. And today, the scripture that, 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 I, sin, that I sincerely felt you needed today for the season coming up or for the season you're walking in is, is found in John chapter 14, verse number 27. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And Jesus says this. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or scared. Let me say that one more time. Jesus said this. He said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or scared. Could anybody watching today use a little bit more peace in their lives right right now? I mean, doesn't it seem like one of the hardest traits to walk in and have right now in our current climate culture is this sense of peace. But at the same time, Jesus said, I'm going to leave my followers with the gift of peace of mind and heart. So if Jesus' promise to us is leaving behind the gift of 
peace in our heart and mind? Why are so many of us struggling to walk, to walk in and walk with that, right? But at the same time, right, knowing a little bit of the Bible, it was also, uh, it also came, came, to, came to my mind that Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, verse number 34, also said this about peace. He said this, do, do not suppose that, that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So it's like, okay, Jesus, hold on. In one verse in John, you, you said, I'm going to give you the gift of peace in your heart and mind. But then you say in Matthew 10 that you didn't come to bring peace to worth, you came to bring a sword. So it's kind of like, well, what is it, Jesus? Like, are you just having a bad day? And you just like, I'm bringing no peace at all. But then if you're having a good day, I'm going to give you peace. Like, which one is it? What did Jesus actually mean when he said, I'm going to bring, or I'm not going to, like, which one is it, right? And right, somebody, they might look at this and they say, see, the, the Bible's a farce. It's contradictory. It's not, it's not true. But at the same time, this, 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 this is why whenever you're coming to, to the Bible, context matters and words matter. Context and words matter, right? One thing that I learned in Bible school was a principle to interpret Scripture. And the principle is this. Scripture interprets Scripture, Meaning, when, when you have a topic, a word, a, uh, you know, something in, in, in Scripture, you can't just take that one verse and interpret it through that one verse. You have to interpret it through, through the totality of what Scripture says about that topic. You can't just take it and cherry, and cherry pick it and take it and make it say what you want it to. You have to take it and frame it within the totality of what Scripture says about it. Scripture interprets Scripture. And when you do that with, with that word peace and you actually study it out, you'll actually see Jesus here, uh, the context of what Jesus said whenever he said, I don't come to bring peace but a sword, he was saying, look, if you follow me, there, there will be certain relationships in, in your, in your, you know, within your life that actually, because you follow me, it will cause con- conflict. And that's when Jesus went in and he talked on, you, you know what, because you follow me, I came to bring division between father and son, mother and daughter. And what he was, he was saying was, is devotion to, to him might cause conflict with those that's with those that you love and some of you have might experience that where you've got you started to follow Christ and you just thought because you follow him everything in your life was just going to be better your relationships were going to be better your finances were going to be better everything in your life was going to be better whenever you started to follow Christ but then you found out um not everything in your in your life got better there were actually some things within your life that got worse and you were like ho 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 the pastor told me if i just give my life to christ it's going to be better it's going to be good i'm going to just it's going to be daisies and this is going to be good so why so why with, with with within within my life am i encountering what i am and 
countering when the, when the thing was you had a wrong definition of what peace was. Right? Jesus, Jesus did not say that in your life you, the, 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 you would not have trouble. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this. John 16, 30, 33, he was talking and, and having a conversation with his disciples. He said this, in this world, you will have trouble. He actually said this to them. He said, look, in your life, you will have trouble. That is not on Christian greeting cards. You do not see that plastered on, on Facebook walls. You do, you, you do not see that advertised much. Why? Because that's not sexy, right? Saying, hey, in your life you will have trouble is not, unfortunately, what we want to hear many times, but it's what Jesus said. So the thing is this, right? When Jesus promised peace, we've got to really know what kind of peace did Jesus promise. And when you study out scripture, you see Jesus did not promise us a circumstantial peace outside here. He offered us the gift of a deep inward peace based on his sovereignty, his character, and his goodness. Because you can even see from Jesus' life. Jesus' life was not full of just peace. Jesus had peace, but his life was not full of peace. But he had a deep, a, a deep inward peace based on the relationship he had with his father, right? And, you know, within Virginia right now, we're currently in hurricane season, right? We kind of, you know, we had a scare a couple weeks back. And, and really, whenever I think about the kind of peace that Jesus offers us and gives us his promise that, that he said is available to you and is a gift to you, I think of it as sort of like a hurricane. When, when the, the, whenever you think about the way a hurricane is structured, you'll actually see there is chaos on the outsides, but there, but there is a peace on the inside, right? Uh, Dorian, her, Hurricane Dorian last year. Hur- Hurricane Dorian ripped through, ripped through the Bahamas as a as a a Category Five hurricane. It just did insane damage, like absolutely insane damage, ravaged the whole country, right? But at the same same time, Hurricane Watchers, Hurricane Explorers flew into the storm, and they. And they flew right into the center of it, right into the eye of the storm. And they took this, this picture here. Check it out. Do you see that? There is a circle of clouds around the hurricane. But right in the center, there is blue skies. Literally blue skies. Beautiful blue skies. And wrapped in a circle of the center was chaos, 200 mile per hour winds. But on the inside, in the center, there was peace. There was tranquility. And that's what I believe whenever Jesus said, I came to bring you the gift of peace. It is here and available. That's what it's going to seem like. There is chaos happening on, on the outsides, but you've got the promise that right in the eye of the storm, there is a peace that God offers you and gives you. And within the season we're in, you've got to know that that, is available 
to you. So here's the thing, right? It's available. That's great, John. It's good, John. Thank you for that. But at the same time, how do you get it? And the thing is, right, I don't want to oversimplify. I don't want to give you a three-step equation just to be like, if you do these three things, you'll have peace. Why? Because we're all different. We're all complex. We all have, have different situations going on. We all have different, bio, different biological complexes. But at the same time, I believe that there are principles to give us and to protect our peace. And, and I simply want to share with you three of those principles that I see that you can do to cultivate this peace that Jesus promised us in John chapter 14. The first one's this, right? Peace with God leads to a peace from God. Peace with God leads to a peace from God. Just know the most important kind of peace you can have in your life is a peace with God. A peace with him, knowing your relationship with God, you are on good terms with him. (laughs) <laughs> right? And I mean, if you think about the, the, the most important kind of peace you can have is, is, you know, is not tranquility in your life, sitting on some sort of beach somewhere, sipping a daiquiri, right? All of you love, love that daiquiri, da- daiquiri, whatever you call it, right? But, but at the same time, right, it is you having a peace with God that then will give you a peace from God. Romans 5 says this here. It says, therefore, this is Paul talking, and he's he's trying to explain the gospel to the church in Rome. He says this, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. What is Paul saying here? As a follower of God, Christ. You have peace with God, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ did in your place and for your sins on the cross and by resurrecting from the dead. And then what Paul says here is, is that through your faith, through your trust in Jesus, you are granted and given, and what Paul calls it, undeserved privilege to where when you stand before God himself, he doesn't see what you've done, who you are. He sees what Christ has done and, 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 and who Christ is, and you are now seen through the lens of Jesus Christ himself, and therefore you are at peace with God to where you have right standing. This could also be called righteousness. You have right standing in God's sight, but you've got to know it's not because of what you've done, it's because of what Jesus did. This is the gospel, y'all. This is the good news that we get the opportunity to to be a part of, that we get the opportunity to receive as a gift, not something we try to just earn. We receive it as a gift. Let me say, say it this way. Because of this, because peace with God is the most important peace you can have, if you can trust God with your eternity, and I know many of, of, of you do, because you can trust him with your eternity, why can't you trust him with your temporary? If the foundation of your peace that God says is your gift, that is the foundation you can have and build and cultivate peace around you because you have a peace within you because you have a peace between you and God. I think we pass over that so much. And, and that's why this is what I tell others and this is what I, I tell myself. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. 
Preach the gospel to yourself. Don't let the gospel get old. Don't let the good news of Jesus Christ get old. Don't, do, do not let it become, yeah, Jesus Christ on the cross, in my place for my sin, I was bad, he made me good, blah, 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 yeah, whatever. I want to get on to more spiritual things. No, you need to stay right there because that is your foundation is saying, I have been made right in God's sight, and that gives you purpose, identity, hope, and joy, but ultimately a peace in the middle of the storms that are going on around you. Think about it. You have, been, you have changed from being an, an enemy of God to being a friend of God. You are at peace with him, and it's done by grace, through faith, y'all, this is the good news, and this is where our, the foundation of our peace comes from. But at the same time, know this. Peace can be practical. <laughs> How about that? Some fun here. Peace can be practical, right? You can protect your peace. Just because Jesus said you will have trouble doesn't mean you've got to add to it. And really, I think the problem is many of us add to our trouble over things we control, over things we have the power within ourselves to have the control over. Many times what we do is is we throw gas on the fire. Romans 12 says this. This is Paul talking. Again, I love what he says here. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, everyone say, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. He says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, essentially he's saying, what you can control, control. If it is in your hands, you do something with it. And do you know what? Take it and use it and try to live at peace. The truth is this, right? There are some things in life you can't control. You, you, you can't control the weather. There are just some things we can't control. But at the same time, there are some things you can control. You, you can control your social media consumption. Some of y'all in this season, you need to take a break f- from this. You, you need to take a break from social media. You need to take a break from the good old FB, because it's, it's causing you to say words that start with F and B. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's funny. Right? But, but say, like, you know what I'm saying. You can control that. And if it's stirring up chaos within you, you can put the phone down. You can put lock on those stuff. Control what you can control. Some, some of you, you got to turn off the TV, man. You gotta turn off some Fox News. You gotta turn off CNN. You gotta turn off MSNBC. You gotta turn off that dang radio. Like, you gotta turn off the stuff that when you see it, hear it, all it does is stir up the hurricane in you. It stirs up the waters. It keeps you from being within the center of the storm. It puts you in the storm. That is stuff you can control. Some of, some of you, you need to put boundaries on people. Because you know what? You've got people in your, in your life that you know if they come into it, they're going to stir the pot. And think, uh, think about this, right? That word boundaries is so, is so important, right? Because I think some, some, sometimes that what, that what we've been taught as Christians is you're just supposed to love everybody and just be a doormat and just kind of be someone. You're supposed to love people. Yes, I agree. We're supposed to love people. But at the same time, Boundaries sometimes are the most loving thing you can do for somebody. Think about it. What you love, you put boundaries on. Kids. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't let everyone hang with your kids. Your spouse. You just don't say, hey, babe, you go hang out with that guy. Yeah. No problem. No, you, you got boundaries. 
your car, your, your cycle. Like some of y'all, you, got, you put more boundaries on your car than, 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 than you do your spouse, right? Like what you love, you put boundaries on. Think about it. Even God himself has boundaries. In creation, he set boundaries. In relationships, he set boundaries. Some of you are one boundary away from so much more peace in your life. Say this, say this with me. I can, say it with me one more time. I can protect my peace. I can protect my peace. Because the truth is, is this, right? Some, some of us will, will try to play the victim game. And we'll say, I, you know, I'm just a victim of so much chaos. And, I, you know, the devil's getting me. The devil, the devil, the devil. And we'll blame the devil right out of the responsibility we have been given. And then we play victim when, no, we've got to say, I have some responsibility here. I don't have all control, but I've got some control. And that's what I'm, I'm saying. The foundation for your peace is peace with God. But then, too, you've got to also say, as far as it depends on you, there are things you can do. There's control that you can have to protect the peace that Jesus promised. Last, lastly, uh, you can have peace because of prayer. Now, look, you're like, yeah, John. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah John, we know that, right? That's what Paul said. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so Paul here is saying, saying what? You've got two choices, worry or pray. But the truth is this here. Every opportunity for worrying is an opportunity for communication and prayer with God. Now, the truth is this, right? I can't stand telling people, I'll just be honest, just, be honest, just, just pray more. Because honestly, what that does, it creates guilt and shame. And let me tell you why. Because everybody, including myself, knows we should pray more. I know I should pray more. You know you know you should pray more, right? Like we all know we should pray more. And, you know, you know, if I'm just up here yelling at you, you should pray more. Prayer's important. Prayer, 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 prayer. And really, honestly, you already know that. You already know that. But, but from, from what I've seen within our culture, we know how important prayer is, but we've got two big obstacles. One, get this, margin. We are so crammed full with so much going on, God can't even fit into our schedules. If we're completely candid, if we're completely so honest, it is pointless of me to, to say, pray, pray, pray. If you can't even set into your life margin or times to meet with God. But secondly, I believe some of you, you've, you've got the desire to pray, but you sincerely have no idea how to pray. You're like, I, man, I sit with God. I'm like, what's up, God? How you, how you doing today? Hope you're doing good. Hope I have a great day. Amen. Peace out. And you're like, I can't even pray for more than 40 seconds without thinking about the Jacksonville Jet. Well, I don't know. It's like, you know, I can't pray for, for, for two minutes. And, I, you know, and, and, and the two, you, 
And then too, what does that do? It, it, it does shame and guilt. And you're thinking, man, I should be better at prayer. I've been a Christian for 15 years. I should be better at it. And it's the shame and guilt. And what does that do? It pushes you from the very thing that will cultivate peace in, in, in your heart, in your mind. And that is communication with the God of heaven and earth. So the thing is this, right? I can't teach you how to pray in five minutes. But at the same time, I want to give you a couple tips. First off, pray what you got. Pray what you got. Pray what you got. You say, John, I can't pray for one hour. Then don't. Say, John, I can't pray in tongues. Then don't. Say, John, I can't pray with, you know, without music. Okay, then put music on, right? I love what John Chapman says. He says this, don't pray as you can't, pray as you can. You say, John, I can pray for two minutes. Pray for two minutes. Do the, do the two-minute drill prayer. Like, like j- just do it, right? <laughs> C.S. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, let us lay before him, God, what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And so many times we come to God and we're like, okay, God, and and we think we've got to come to him with this like formal pattern. And if we don't know the formal pattern, the cheat codes, that we can't be, be within his presence. But the truth is this, that God is a father. And one of the, the great joys that I've got personally is to being a dad and I've got three boys. They don't have any sort of formal anything. They come before me, run, punch me in the gut and try to tackle me. And they just want to spend time with me, right? Like the, they want to be with me, but that's how we've got to see God is God wants to communicate with you. He wants to be that. He wants to hold He Pray what you've got, not what you think you should. Because that, that is the foundation for communicating with God. The truth is this, right? One of the most underdeveloped, overlooked parts of Jesus's ministry I think that we see in scripture is how passionate Jesus was about getting by himself. We overlook that. Jesus was powerful and we talk about his miracles, we talk about his beatitudes, teaching, miracles, but none of us look at where his public fruit came from. It was his private disciplines. Luke 5:16 says this here. He says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. This is Jesus, the son of God. And it says one of the things that kept him sane, that kept him within the center of the insane storm that was around him, it was Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. The truth is we live live in a culture of efficiency, technique, life hacks, multitasking and to be honest it's killing us because we can't even sit still in God's presence and give him what's bothering us and even have the margin to sit and listen to him this is not guilt I'm not guilting you what I am encouraging you with is to realize the access you have to God 24 7 that the same the 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 same effort you put into worrying is the same energy that could be used to communicate with your father in heaven through prayer. I love what Martin Luther said. He said, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. 
Now, I don't know about you, but at this point uh, of my Christianity, I'm not at that three-hour mark yet. But, but the thing is this, what I would say is, what can you give him? Pray what you got. Give him what you've got. What I love, though, at the end of this verse here that Paul said, he said that God will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. What if it was said about us Christ followers in this season, in, in, in this insanity that we find ourselves in? What if it was said about us, they've got a peace that I just don't understand. Like I don't, like I don't understand why they're not screaming, yelling, proclaiming death, proclaiming the end times, proclaiming complete insanity. Why are they so peaceful? And what I said last week, and what I'm saying this, this week, this is about our testimony, family. How can we share and show the greatness and glory of God if we're freaking out? If we're freaking out and, and we're, we're causing more chaos instead of being a peaceful receiver and then a peaceful presence for people. It's killing our testimony. So look, the thing is this, right? The offer that Jesus said, John 14, 27. I'm going to leave you with a gift, and that gift is my peace in your heart and in your mind. It is not a circumstantial peace out here. It is a peace in here and a peace here that is the gift he wants to give you. How? Through peace with God leads to a peace from God, right? But peace is practical. There are parts you can control, so control them. But thirdly, peace is his presence. It's having 24-7 access to the King of kings and Lord of Lords, pray what you've got. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.